Property Talk on the Tyne. Investment tips, stories and exciting guests with your host, Tony Fares. Hello, today's episode is all around the step-by-step process of buying an investment property. So, as you all know, the process of buying property in England, Wales, Scotland, it's interesting. And after all the hard work of viewing properties and assessing different opportunities, all that stands between you and your next investment is, on average, a 12 to 20-week conveyancing process. Now, that's going to involve multiple calls to solicitors, your broker, potentially the new letting agent who's going to let the property out. And there's going to be a lot of paperwork as well as frustration. So don't underestimate that. So in the process, no doubt you're going to learn a lot about the legislation, uh, how humans work, and your own capacity for dealing with setbacks and delays. Um, Trust us, the way sales processes are going at the moment, I wouldn't be surprised on that. Um, So the process is slightly different depending on where you're from. So if you're in Scotland, you know, I'm sure there's different terminology uh, and there's differences between English and Welsh law as well. So you need to bear that in mind depending on where you're purchasing. So first protocol is you need to make sure that you're in a position to buy. Now, a guaranteed way to burn bridges with an estate agent is to pull out of a deal. Um, We absolutely hate it. Uh, It wastes our time. It wastes our clients' time. And you know, it means we're back to square one with an unhappy vendor, an unhappy agent, and you didn't get what you wanted out of the deal. And not only that, it's bad for you as well, because you will have incurred costs, you will have incurred legal fees, and you can't get those back more times than not. So the first step is to make sure you can complete the transaction and you're in a financial position to get the mortgage in, in order to take this transaction forward. Uh, if you're buying with cash, that isn't a problem. Um, just make sure that you have enough there for purchase price, um, the stamp duty that you're now required to pay, and any other costs associated with the purchase. So if you're planning to use a mortgage, uh, you can ask your independent financial advisor to get you something called a mortgage in principle. That also is known as, a, as an MIP or a MIP or could also be called a decision in principle or an agreement in principle. So they're the terms that you need to be looking out around this side of things. Now, what this tends to mean is the lender is taking a high level look at your situation. Um, they've decided you're the sort of person they'd like to lend to, but it's not a mortgage offer. And there is differences here and it can cause a lot of confusion. The mortgage in principle is just a very basic check to say that you, know, you are potentially suitable for that mortgage. And full mortgage application is what's going to, it's going to assess your actual affordability and whether you're what the, who the bank won't lend to. So they're going to look at your pay slips. They're going to look at your credit check. They're going to look at your proof of address and proof of identification. So mortgage in principle is the first step. Mortgage offers the bit that follows that. So first step there is you want to find a property. Um, you want to make an offer. Now, you can make your offer on a property in writing. You can do it over the phone. Uh, I would always tend to say drop it drop it in a, a phone call to the agent. You know, you'll get to speak to the agent and find out the vendor's expectations that we tend to know more times than not. But I would always tend to follow that up with an email to the agent, just stating, you know, hi, it's Tony Fairs. My offer is £83,000 on 1 John Blog Street. So that way, there's no confusion. You're just confirming in the email what you confirmed in the phone call. 
Now, your offer should include the price you're willing to pay. Um, but what I would also suggest in this case is don't underestimate time scale. If you've met a vendor at a property and time scale is important to them, put the time scale that you're prepared to complete the conveyancing process within. So if a vendor really needs to be out the property within six or eight weeks or whatever, tell them that you're prepared to meet that completion date. But if you're also waiting on funds, for example, that are going to be pulled out of an ISA, for example, at a certain date, then you need to put a longer completion date that allows for that. So just make sure that's something that you consider. So one, include your offer. Two, the timescales that are involved. And I would also probably include if there's any other extenuating circumstances that you think the agent or the vendor should be aware of. It's better to be transparent day one than to raise an issue six, eight, ten weeks down the line when people are nearing moving date and they've started to sell off their belongings. So if you had had your mortgage in principle, I would definitely also suggest that you attach that to the email. Or also, you can put on there who your mortgage advisor is, put their contact details, but also include which solicitor you're going to use. You know, it's one of the ways that us as agents will qualify a buyer. We'll get proof of ID and proof of address, but we'll also financially qualify the buyer. So if you do that up front, it lends a lot more weight to the agent getting your offer put forward to the owner. So your offer's been accepted. Congratulations. Um, all being well, you know, there might be a little bit of back and forth, but you might get that call to say your offer's been accepted, but it's not time to pop the champagne just yet. You've still got a bit of work to do. But you've got over probably one of the most important hurdles, and you've actually had an offer accepted. So brilliant. Now, at this point, the estate agent, they've financially qualified you because you've already put this information in the email to them. They're going to send out what's known as a sales memorandum or a memo of sale. Now, what that is, it's basically just a heads of terms. It's going to have the vendor's details on there, the vendor solicitors, the buyer's details, and the buyer solicitors. And it's also going to have any agreements in place, such as price and any timescales agreed, and potentially anything such as fixtures and fittings, which have been negotiated as part of the purchase price. So, for example, if you've decided you're going to include the white goods in the sale of the property, that might also be on there. Now, this is going to get sent out to both sets of solicitors as well as the buyer and the seller. So everybody should get a copy of this. And it's just more or less, it's confirming basically what you've probably discussed over the phone or over emails with the agent. So you've now got a memo of sale. So you're now going to instruct your solicitor. So at this stage, um, this is the point where you're going to need to get into the solicitor's or get the paperwork that they send out to you filled in quite quickly. Uh, you don't want it sat on your dining room table or on the kitchen bench for weeks on end. If you get paperwork from solicitors, my suggestion is you fill it in the same day and pop it straight back in the post or hand deliver it. So your solicitor is going to receive the memo of sale from the estate agent. They're going to know that something's happening. Uh, but you need to get in touch and, you know, tell them that you're going to be instructing them and that you've been successful having an offer accepted. Now, if you don't have a solicitor yet, now's the time to find one, obviously. Uh, now, finding a good solicitor can be like looking in a for a needle in a haystack. But there is some really, really good ones out there. So ask the agent if they have any recommendations. But just be careful because we do tend to get paid a commission from the solicitors. So it's not impartial advice. You know, there is a, a reward for that recommendation. So, you know, ring multiple agents and ask how good solicitors are in the area if you're not quite sure. Uh, now, a couple of things that you need to watch out for is 
you want to aim to get a fixed priced quote for the transaction. So you want the solicitor to give you a quote and you want that to be an itemized quote. Now that's going to, um, it's going to go into detail the cost of their conveyancing, any product, um, bank transfer costs, um, any searches that you're going to have to pay, any stamp duty. It's going to really break down the total amount that you're going to spend. And it's going to mean that you don't get any, you know, you don't get any unforeseen bills down the line or any expenses that you weren't expecting. Now, what I will say in this instance is avoid cheap, large-scale licensed conveyances because they tend to keep the costs down by operating a call center method. Now, what that is, is you're literally just a number. They're not treating you like a customer. Very rare you treat like a human being in all fairness. You're literally just a transaction to them. There is no ongoing rapport. Whereas if you deal with a local solicitor, you'll find they do family law, they may do wills, um, and there's other services that they will probably have that will be a benefit to you in the future. So if you get a good rapport for a local solicitor, like I said, become their best friend. I'm sure you're going to use them in the future. It's not just property you're going to use them for. It's things around your tax planning and things along those lines where they can also help. Now, if you require a fast completion, you need to make sure day one that this is crystal clear with a solicitor. What I would say is I would make sure that the solicitor confirms in writing any time scales because, you know, we've had a number of sales fall through via estate agents and my experience in time because solicitors just weren't aware that the deadline for getting a sale progressed had to be by a certain date. So make sure that that's a case, that that's the case. Now, you're going to need to sign an engagement letter with the solicitors and you're probably going to have to advance them probably the cost of the searches, so maybe a couple of hundred pounds. Uh, and they're going to get those rolling. They're going to get the searches ordered. Now, the searches are things like a local search, um, a drainage search, a coal mining search. So it starts to build up the picture from a legal point of view to the solicitor as to exactly what you're buying and any risks associated with that purchase because they are there to cover your backside and to help you and make sure you don't buy something um, which has a bit of a sting in the tail. So... Obviously, at this stage, you're going to need to get your mortgage advisor to submit that offer, as we as we said, the full mortgage application, which is going to result in the offer. Now, it could be the same lender that you've used for the decision and principle. It could be someone else. Um, it's entirely up to you. Now, the lender's going to need to know your solicitor's details because your solicitor will arrange the legal aspects of the mortgage as well as the transaction itself. Now... One of the things to be careful for here is you need to make sure that the solicitor you choose is on the lender's panel. Now, what that means, a lender's panel is basically a list of preferred solicitors who the bank or the lender wish for you to use. Now, it's just it's a bit of a it's a bit of a way for the lender to say that you're dealing with a good solicitor, basically, and someone who can get the job done. Uh, and as you'll probably also know, this is the point where your mortgage advisor is probably going to ask you to pay for the survey. So you've instructed, you've put your offer forward, you've instructed a solicitor, you've put your mortgage application in, you've probably also paid for survey and you've also paid for searches at this point. So you'll have done this all via the advisor or the solicitor. So getting the survey. Now, if you're using a mortgage, some lenders will undertake a valuation of the property on your behalf um, before approving a mortgage offer and releasing any funds. Now, this can just be a quick assessment for their own purposes. 
to check that the price is reasonable, uh, the rent's going to be high enough, and the property meets their lending criteria. Now, on top of that, you can choose whether to get a survey of your own done. What I would suggest is, you know, take the advice of your broker, depending on the condition of the property. If they think there's some big risks associated with your purchase, go for a higher level survey. There are numerous levels to the survey and the more expensive they cost, the more intrusive they are on the property and the more detail that you're going to get in that report. So the property needs an absolute shed load of work. Go down the full structural survey route. It's not only necessary for old properties. Um, or listed buildings, or those that are built using non-standard construction. But the survey will look into concerns around things like damp, drainage, woodworm, and dry rot, wet rot, timber condition, and more. Now, a cheaper, more basic option would be the home buyer report. Now, this could cost anywhere from probably three to five hundred pounds, and they do inspect the main aspects of the property. Um, so they will give you a bit of an itemized list, so roof, floor, and windows, and they will provide commentary on those. And it'll give you an opinion about whether any work is required now or in the near future. And they'll categorize hazards on the report in a one, two, and three. But like a traffic light system, so it should be quite straightforward to spot where needs immediate attention in the property and where's going to need your attention in future from a financial price point. Um, now, it's up to you whether you think this is worth it. If you've inspected the property yourself and you're confident in, in your ability to spot anything wrong, uh, and might not unveil anything new. But again, if you're not very clued up, then I mean, it's worth going the extra hog on the cost and going for that more detailed survey. And that's why I say that would be my recommendation if you lack experience. Now, if you do decide to get a survey done, you want to be looking for a recommendation or you need to be searching on the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. Now, these are the people who carry out the surveys and they're impartial. So, I mean, they don't have any loyalties to the owner or to the agent or anything like that. They're employed on your behalf or your lender's behalf. So they're definitely there to cover your backside. Now, you've had your survey done, thank the Lord, it come back fine. There's nothing to worry about. The roof isn't going to collapse. There's not water peeing in the windows or anything along those. So it looks like you've made a good spot. Now, now is the point where you're going to go through the legal process. Now. You want to buy, the seller wants to sell. How hard can it be? Very, very hard, if the truth be told. Now, although we'll often feel like nothing's happening at all for weeks on end, there is actually probably quite a lot going on behind the scenes. Now, you know, solicitors will kill me for saying this, but they are very, very stuck in the past. They do communicate via phone calls and emails. But don't be surprised if they send things by letter as well, which, you know, can create a bit more of a, a delay in communication times. Um, your solicitor, like I say, is going to order those searches for you. Um, if the property's leasehold, they're going to have to obtain information regarding that lease. Uh, they might even need an information pack from the freeholder, which you're going to have to pay for. Now, they're going to be looking at the costs such as service charges, ground rent, um, annual sinking funds, which covers things like replacing roofs or lifts or things along those lines, or cladding's a big one now, which is in there. Um, and the vendor solicitor is going to issue a draft contract, which your solicitor is going to confirm whether they're happy with the contents on that. And there's going to be a bit of back and forth on that. So like I said, don't worry if, the, if you go through a very, very 
long period of calm. Just drop a quick email saying, how are we getting on? Is there any updates? Because you'll often find that there is an update when you drop that email. Now, the vendor will provide information on the property. That's going to be things like, you know, what they're prepared to leave in each room. And that's going to be on a form called the fixtures and fittings form. So if you have agreed for any extras, such as white goods to be left or blinds, carpets, flooring, even furniture, then check the fixtures and fittings form. Make sure that it matches up with what you've agreed to pay for it. Um, you also want to be checking it on this form as to whether the property is going to come vacant. We've had a number of clients who haven't read the fixtures and fittings form and they've went along to their nice new investment property thinking, great, we'll get this on the market to rent now uh, or get in there and live there. And they find it's full of furniture and old rubbish and old tat and whatnot. So they then have to pay to have that disposed of. So just a little word of caution there. Just check that in the fixtures and fittings form. Now, if you just sit back and wait for all this to play out, prepare for absolutely months and months and months to pass. There's a reason a mortgage offer on average is six months long. Now, the average transaction length in early 2021 was around about 12 weeks. Now, beginning of 2022, you're expecting an average transaction for a purchase to be somewhere between 12 and 20 weeks. So you do need to apply pressure where it's required. If your solicitor says they're waiting for something from the buyer's side, my suggestion is you ring the agent and you let the agent know because they're going to want to get paid. The vendor's going to want the sale to go through. And if the agent tells the vendor what they're waiting for, the vendor's likely to get that paperwork that's required or the form they need to fill in back to the solicitor as quick as possible. Now, remember, the, there is many parties involved here and solicitors are often busy. And, you know, I hate to say it, but they're not the most proactive people in the world. That's quite a generalized statement. There are some brilliant ones out there, mind you. Um, and there's limitless possibilities for everything to grind to a halt while everyone sits around waiting for someone else to do something. So it is your job, in a sense, to project manage the conveyancing process, detect them where there's holdups and bugging the right person for whatever it is that you need. So you've chased the solicitors, you've got your mortgage offer in place, you're ready to go. This is the point where you're going to look to exchange contracts. Now, what that is, is... While the sale's been going on, your mortgage lender is going to have looked at your valuation survey. They're going to have raised some questions and they're going to get comfortable with the lending to you. That's you personally, as well as you, the property. Now, eventually, they're going to issue this formal mortgage offer, guarantee that the funds will be available to you. Now, if the lender doesn't issue an offer and pulls out for any reason, everything's going to be held up while you start the mortgage application process again, which is going to mean a new survey, possibly new searches, etc. So... One word of caution again, do not let your mortgage offer expire. Now, the offer is one of two things you're going to need in order to exchange contract and be committed to the purchase. The other is a report on title. Now, your solicitor is going to summarize their findings after going through all their due diligence um, and asking questions to the vendor solicitors. And it's going to identify any areas of significance that flag up concerns to be aware of. Now, all being well, there'll be no issues on the title and you'll be able to get exchanged. Occasionally, there will be a major issue, um, but often these can be solved and in some instances, they can't. Now, what you tend to find on exchange of contracts is they want you to pay a 10% deposit and that's your commitment to proceed and it's a financial obligation. So, I mean, it's kind of kicking in the option to say, right, get your money, is, put your money where your mouth is because the property's almost ready to complete.
Now, completion is when the balance is paid and you become the legal owner. But before the exchange date, your solicitor is going to ask you to send across the money to cover the deposit. Now, on the day of exchange, now this can be this can be the same day as completion, but often it's weeks before the sale actually completes. It's just the point where the vendor and the buyer become legally legally committed to selling and buying. Now, on the day of exchange, the solicitors will send the deposit across to the vendor solicitor. They'll then speak to each other and formally exchange contracts, which amazingly enough is the first point in this whole transaction that it's actually binding for either side. Now, I think that could be actually be four or five months down the line. So just be cautious that until you exchange contracts, the buyer could, sorry, the vendor could always pull the plug on you. Now, the date of completion will have been set before exchange. Now, it could actually be the same day as I've said, but it's not uncommon for it to be a few weeks earlier. Now, you've done the hard part. You've exchanged contracts. Congratulations. The property is going to be yours. Now, what's going to happen next is you're going to have completion. Now, completion date is the day the money's changed hands and you're able to pick your keys up from the agent. You'd stand outside the house and get one of those lovely pictures that you're holding your keys outside. So, congratulations. What they're also going to do at this stage is the, the solicitors are going to send you what's known as an account statement. And they're going to, obviously, within that, they're going to have asked you for any money towards things that were missing, stamp duty, et cetera, before doing that completion. So, like I said, the completion is going to take place. It's the transfer of funds between the parties, and then it's all wrapped up. So, I hope you found this useful, this process step by step, because we do find with a lot of our clients that, that you know, they think once they've had an offer accepted that, you know, the end's in sight. But you've still got a long, long way in order to get the sale to completion, which is the point you own it. So, like I say, if you have any questions, if there's any part of this transaction that you find, you know, difficult to understand, then please feel free to reach out over social media or drop it into Google, and I'm sure you'll find the answers there. But if you speak to someone who's in property, they're going to have actual on-the-job experience of these purchases and the things that you maybe find a bit more complex and will be in a better position to answer those questions. So, like I say, reach out and please continue to keep listening. Um, we've had some great feedback recently and, you know, it's the feedback that keeps us going because I know you are all finding it useful out there. And have yourselves a great day, great evening, great weekend. Bye for now. Property Talk on the Tyne. Investment tips, stories and exciting guests with your host, Tony Fares.